everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler in the studio with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are kicking off today's show speaking with award-winning choreographer and dancer A.C. Mensa. Now, her latest piece, Shades, is a deeply personal dance theater exploration into the discrimination between lighter-skinned and darker-skinned members of communities of color. It's known as shadism. So the play run or the dance runs September 27th to 30th at Factory Theater. It examines the deep generational trauma that shadism has imprinted on AC, as well as the six other artists involved. Now, if talking to your family about weed feels just a tad awkward, we're going to be getting tips on how to do that right with Michelle Billodeau, an ambassador for Leafly.ca, the world's largest cannabis information and news resource. Mm-hmm. Imagine we're legalizing it. Now we have to have conversations about how to talk about it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> because we have a culture of it being illegal. Yes, but um, there's a lot of confusion um, about, you know, what's going on. I mean, for example, edibles or cannabis-infused uh, non-alcoholic wine and beer, that kind of thing, won't come into effect for a whole other year until October 2019. So we're going to go through some of that stuff. Um, Personal finance expert Barry Choi has some easy steps to help get your finances back on track. And musicologist Eric Alper is talking songs about doctors. In on the record, doctor, 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 give me the news. Yeah, I got it. That's the first one that comes to mind. Author Kern Carter will explain the inspiration behind his second novel called Beauty Scars, which explores the dynamic between power and beauty in Canada. And closing out the show in our live studio sessions today, we have singer-songwriter Rain Hamilton performing her new single, Starlight. Now, we have two contests up. We have a fabulous skincare prize pack from CeraVe Canada. That contest is up now on WhatSheSaidTalk.com. And while you're there, Christine generously brought back a huge 850-gram block of British... Cadbury Dairy Milk Chocolate. Uh, so, And she has some rules about what you have to do if you win that. Well, I just would like you then to email and let us know what you noticed as the difference between British uh, dairy milk, Cadbury mm. Dairy Milk, and Canadian. Fair enough. Dairy we'll have milk. to trust you to email us. So be sure to give us a follow on social media at What She Said Talk. And if you want to listen to past shows, you can check out our free Apple podcast. You can find all of the links on whatshesaidtalk.com. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is award-winning choreographer and dancer A.C. Mensa, whose latest piece, Shades, is a deeply personal dance theater exploration into the discrimination between lighter-skinned and darker-skinned members of communities of color that's known as shadism. Welcome to What She Said, A.C. Thank (laughs) you for having me. Now, Shades runs, um, I understand it, from September 27th to the 30th at the Factory Theatre. Yeah. And now it examines the deep generational trauma that shadism has imprinted on you and the six other artists involved. So tell us how this all started. Uh, This started uh, in 2016. Um, Or you could even say it started from before then, you know, just my own issues with being a dark-skinned dancer within the industry and not being able to get work uh, within the commercial field that I had started in. That was really the reason why I transitioned out of the business and started doing more uh, dance and choreography, um, as well as dancing with a traditional African company. And that just started to shift a lot of my career. Um, but those those things always stay with you. The, you know, oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I just wanted to ask, mm-hmm. what had you originally wanted to do, which which you felt? I wanted to go on tour. I wanted to be like the backup dancer for, you know, big name artists. I wanted to be music videos. I wanted to be movies, some of which it's funny enough has come back in my in the later part of my career. Like this year, I choreographed for Francesco Yates. He's he's from Scarborough. Mm-hmm. We opened up for Justin Timberlake and uh, I choreographed and I danced in that. So and Justin was somebody that I always wanted to to be on stage with. So, yeah. you know, and it was so it's interesting how the dreams that I had early on in my career are kind of coming back in the later half of my career. But it was a huge it was like a, it was a huge stall for me because I knew I was talented and I, I've if I thought it was my talent that wasn't getting me work, then I can understand it. But I knew that it wasn't because I wasn't a good dancer, that there was something else that was stopping me from being able to get the opportunities. See, I think for a lot of people like me, I didn't, I I would not have known mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that was an issue. Like I, you know. Yeah. And then and that's the thing. It's like it's it's almost like a secret thing that most people of color always have to go through. It's like it's something that you just like a small pill you have to swallow that you know, that we know that it's like you always have to work harder. You're always going to have to figure out a way to be better because being good just isn't enough. And that was the that was the thing that really pushed me over the edge to say, OK, I can't just be good. I have to be great, if not amazing, to make myself But also noticeable. made you open up a conversation exactly. in any way you can. Exactly. So with shadism, though, mm-hmm. where I, I get a little bit lost, is yeah. we're talking about members of the same community. Yes. yes. So how did that impact you? Well, um, it was something like uh, I was doing a music video. So this was like one of the one of the more clear cut examples. I was doing a music video with um, a friend of mine and and some other black female dancers uh, that were all medium to darker toned uh, females. And the choreographer came to me and he was just like, so I just want you to know that the director, which was a black director, and the artist, black artist, black Canadian artist, um, are are unsure about casting you because they think you're too dark. Um, So you're just going to have to be amazing and win their hearts over because I'm really having to fight for you because I know that you should be a part of this. So that that was a huge turn of event of like, Okay, well, I'm in people. I'm I'm amongst my own community, mm-hmm. and and yet I still am not seen as enough. And that's just like my own one particular example. There's endless examples of people between uh, the lighter skin and darker skin community in terms of jokes people will say a lot of microaggressions um, or overt stuff like I know Khloe Kardashian and and Kim they all had a picture with their babies that just went viral and the comments underneath them that are all commenting about Khloe's daughter and how ugly she is because she's darker you know it's like subtle things like that that people say that they just believe they just naturally believe because well she's you know she was mixed race then um, then she would be even more beautiful. And those are the things that stake with us that you hear in your youth, that you hear in your childhood. And they, to me, it's like they stay with you into your adulthood. So how do you feel that that's different from, exam- for example, let's say you had a, a casting director mm-hmm. who wanted all blondes. Mm-hmm. And so all the brunettes would say, geez, yeah, we always you know, I never... Joke, my daughter's an actress, and we always joke it's all really about height, weight, and coloring. Yes, yes. And and I always say, like, with, with casting is that um, for for a lot of white people, their hair color is almost like a race. So it's like you need your blondes, you need your brunettes, you need your redheads, and then you can go with one black girl and then whatever other race, Spanish or something but else. E- but even weight mm-hmm. and the whole thing yeah. for women... Yeah. It's, and this is becomes a women thing and mm-hmm. a how you look thing and mm-hmm. the whole thing about mm-hmm. how you look. Yes. And but a lot of it, like at least with with shadism, it's a lot of it is rooted in in well, it started in colonialism. It started in and the way that they chose to to set up the system to say that, OK, well, if you are lesser than, therefore you are in the sub this subdivided section of society and therefore you don't gain access and you don't gain opportunity. And that's the hard part because these things really showcase to people that like, if I don't get opportunity, I'm not going to go as far in life. So therefore Mm -hmm. bleaching is the way to go. Therefore dating somebody outside of my race is the way to go. You know, doing anything to give my children a better life than what I had is, is a lot is sometimes at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. So, I mean, there are definitely dangerous and sometimes illegal Mm -hmm. products out Mm -hmm. there that lighten or even bleach Mm -hmm. skin tone. Um, Do you think that that what 
that is saying is an ingrained psychological belief that many ethnic communities have towards value and attractiveness? 100%, especially within, if you're looking at um, like Asian communities, South Asian, mm-hmm. a lot of their facial cleansers will just naturally have a whitening agent in it. Where here, it's like completely banned mm-hmm. that you have to buy a specific product line that'll have it. You have companies like Revlon, Neutrogena, Vaseline, uh, Olay, L'Oreal, they all have a bleaching line um, that you may not see in North America, but is very prevalent within Asian countries. And I think that that's, that's the difference is that it's normalized in a lot of spaces in, in different parts of the world. And it's something that, that a lot of people are profiting on. As so well. what do you hope that this piece shades, uh, that the audience takes mm-hmm. away from this? It's a conversation. Um, shadism is something that, uh, to me, it's like it's something that sits in the in the pit of your stomach, something that most people probably don't even realize that, mm-hmm. that they've even gone through or they have and they just don't know how to talk about it. So for me, what I was able to create with the other six artists is something that is very unique and that really kind of cuts inwards it really cuts deep for people but it's a way to kind of like open up the pandora's box and get people to talk about what they've experienced and heal yeah and hopefully that that sort of shines the light on on Mm -hmm. on people who are the ones who are giving you the opportunities and what's interesting is it's it's not white people yeah Yeah. or asian people yeah it's your own yeah, your own people, your, your own, own people. people who are discriminating. Yes, and 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 even though it starts like obviously it's like it's it's focused within the own community, but then it also ripples outwards because if you're looking at you know certain people, if you're casting uh, a somebody within of a certain race, you're normally going to cast lighter with the the lighter side of that race. You're never going to cast a lot of people don't necessarily cast within the darker tones of a, of a South Asian race within a black race for a main role and and a lot of people within that race we know that. So it's it's a matter of being able to opening up the conversation so that way everybody becomes more aware so we can stop having these biases to say that only a certain group of people can have access. You know, it's interesting though when when I look at models now, uh, fashion shows, mm-hmm. they are all dark. Mm, yes. Because they're stunning. Yes. And and the clothes just look more mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like so it's, it's funny. Yeah. 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 No. And it's mm. a, it's a, like to, you know, depending on the situation or depending on the scenario really can dictate where and and how the, the spectrum lies. You know, it's like everybody and one of the things that we were able to learn throughout this piece was that everybody has privileges and everybody's has their disadvantages. Well, you've worked with huge acts, Rihanna, Drake, Mm -hmm. uh, Janelle Monae. You've even made the 100 Black Women to Watch list in Canada. And we are very familiar with your fantastic and unique style of Afrofusion dance. So now Shades runs September 27th to 30th at Factory Theatre in Toronto. Tell people where they can go to get tickets. They can go straight to either my website, www.acmensa.com slash Shades, or straight to the Factory Theatre website and just look for the Shades uh, info on on the page. Okay, now we're going to have all the links up on our social media mm-hmm. sites because AC is giving away a pair of tickets yes. to um, two lucky winners out there. So all the links will be up on whatshesaidtalk.com and on our social media at what she said talk. So did this help um, mediate some of the pain for oh. you doing the show? Oh, a lot. A lot? You yeah. know, it was, it's... I think, and it still is, you know, it's at no point in time did I ever think that um, I was ever really going to heal as much as I was. Uh, but I am myself, the team, we're really being able to, it's, it's really us opening up ourselves to then being able to do that same thing for the audience. Well, AC Mensa, congratulations. Thank and you. Thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you so much for having me. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, 
Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit KearnsandCo.com. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Michelle Billodeau, an ambassador for Leafly.ca, the world's largest online cannabis education resource. And today we are going to talk about how to talk to your family about cannabis. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start out by telling us your role as a Leafly ambassador? Yeah, so Leafly approached me to work with them about a year ago. I'm a fashion and beauty and lifestyle journalist, and I also happen to be pro-cannabis, obviously. Um, The reason I wanted to partner with them is they are all about education, which I think is really important as we inch closer to legalization, not just for teens and families like we're talking about today, but I think for anyone who is interested to know more about what cannabis can do for them in any given situation. Why is it important to them and to you mm. that the conversation with one's family be approached properly? Um, I think because cannabis has been seen as a drug for so long, and now we're starting to unlock the powers that cannabis can have, whether it's medicinally, whether it's recreationally. I think education is important because this is kind of new territory. We're gonna we're the only or the, we're the biggest G eight country, G seven country that's going to be legally um, recreationally legal across the world, um, and it's. It's going to be a big societal shift. And I think knowing what is coming or preparing ourselves for what is coming is very important. Okay. So a lot of people, I can hear alarm bells going off of in their heads right now. So what is the what are the key things that you want people to understand about this legislation when it happens? Well, the legislation is something that is kind of ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a moving target mm-hmm. as to when it's even going to be legal. So I think just informing ourselves via the media, via Leafly, um, is a way to kind of stay up on what's happening. What I think is important, especially when kids or teenagers um, are involved, is this is new for them as well. Um, and we want them to be prepared. So scientists have come out recently um, in the last couple of years and have actually said that our brains don't stop developing until our early 20s. And there have been studies that have been done that show that kids who consume a lot of amount, like a lot of cannabis, can it can have some detrimental side effects. It can affect their mental health. It could potentially affect their IQ. Um, so we want them to know, or I want them to know as a, as a mother of a young daughter, I want kids to know that your brain is precious and to really to take care of yourself. And I want to help other mothers figure out how to have that conversation with their kids. Okay, so but then why is the conversation now, or let's assume we're in a legal environment, Mm -hmm. any different than it would have been then? I would think in actual fact, it's probably going to be a safer conversation, because uh, assuming that kids under 19 cannot get access to these, uh, to the various strains of cannabis. But we now have CBD and THC, some cannabis, no hallucinatory, no, you know, high effects. No psychoactive. No psych, that's the word I was looking for. No (laughs) psychoactive ingredients. So that there are strains that can be specifically used for health and wellness. Yeah. I think it's very important to tell your kids if you are using medicinally. The reason I think it's important to have these conversations with kids is because it is going to be more readily available than it was ever is before. It? Really? I would think it yes, would be it more is. locked down because they, they can't go in. It's like going into an LCBO and buying it. The black market will still exist. And then you'll have people You'll have people my age, will have people older that are using cannabis recreationally. So it will be in probably in more homes than it ever was before. Anyone who's curious or has been curious about cannabis will now have a legal way of obtaining it. So it will be in more households, I believe, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of people think, than it has been before. And, the, and unfortunately, the black market will still exist as well. 
So uh, besides uh, focusing the conversation with with towards children and yeah. young adults, mm-hmm. it, it I would imagine one would also have to have a conversation with one's parents because mm-hmm. they have grown up in a society where that was like that was the the step before heroin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Well, there have been, again, there have been um, more studies that have come out, and this is kind of information that I've gleaned since becoming an ambassador with Leafly last summer. Um, Cannabis is not a gateway drug. It was thought to be before, Mm -hmm. but cannabis is actually now being used as a way to help heroin addicts or severe drug addicts come down from their addictions. So cannabis is not seen that way in the medical community anymore, and it's about changing that stigma. Exactly. Yeah. So... Can you give us some go-to facts when you're talking yeah. to teens? Give us some good so, points we so, can throw out there. Yeah, of course. So I interviewed two child psychologists recently and a family physician for CBC. I'm a writer for cbc.ca, their lifestyle section. Um, and I'm kind of doing really early preparatory work. So I have a daughter who's a year and a half, and I may be a little... A little young. <laughs> a little young, but to be honest, I'm, I'm anxious about how I'm going to talk to her about it. So right. there are members of our family who use medicinally, and I want to know who or how I should approach it with her when she's a teenager. I think most of what I learned may be obsolete by the time she's old enough to know. Um, But I think it does start with having an open dialogue with your kids. Um, You always have to keep in mind their emotional maturity and their actual age. I think when you're speaking to, or what the doctors have told me, when you're speaking to a 13-year-old versus an 18-year-old, their emotional maturity is quite different. So you have to keep that in mind when you're speaking with with Mm -hmm. kids about it. Um, But I do think there are easy entry points. Legalization itself, I think, is one of them. You can sit down with your kid and say, hey, we're close to legalization. What do you think about this? What do your friends think about this? Mm -hmm. Um, And that might help open up a conversation as to whether or not, you know, your kid has been exposed to cannabis or has friends that have smoked cannabis um, at school or at other events. So I think there's lots of ways to, to kind of have that entry point, and I think legalization can be one of them. So do we know um, st- do we know for sure what strains or what, what kinds of cannabis can mm-hmm. affect a young person's brain? Because I think it's 25 up until 25. Yeah, the brain develops until about 25. Yes. Um, I think and what any, parts? Yeah, so this is where a resource like Leafly would come into play is mm-hmm. you can research different strains and it's basically a strain that has high THC. So THC is the psychoactive property mm-hmm. of cannabis. That will affect that the development affect of your brain. Yes, so there exactly. are can- strains of cannabis that are okay. Um, I don't know if I would say that. A lot of cannabis, like most strains of cannabis have THC. There are strains of cannabis that have a higher level of CBD per se. But if you're looking into something that's going to help you with anxiety and pain relief, that would more be a THC oil um, or edible as opposed to something that has THC in it. So how can parents filter out the pop culture noise as it relates to teens and cannabis, do you think? Unfortunately, I don't think they can. I think Mm. it's going to be really hard. It's already popping up um, a lot on Instagram, on social media, on television. Um, But I think it just comes back to having an open dialogue with your kid. If you Mm -hmm. see something, you know, that kind of tweaks your anxiety a little bit, Mm -hmm. maybe that it could be another entry point into how to talk to your kids about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for younger kids, it might be a little bit of monitoring their social media just to know kind of where they're at. But when it comes to older kids, you want to give them a bit more privacy. You want them to feel like they're independent. Um, Again, it just kind of comes back to, and from what the doctors have told me, it just comes back to keeping their emotional maturity in mind. So then what are the best resources for parents looking to learn more? Where would you suggest they go? I think leafly.ca is a great resource. Health Mm -hmm. Canada also has some guidelines. Um, And then there's a website called Drug Free Kids that offers a packet online on how to talk to your teens about cannabis. So many women have come out um, recently and said Mm -hmm. that they do smoke, that they still consider themselves the cannabis users. They may not mm-hmm. smoke it, but they still consider themselves to be great moms, great parents. Yeah. You're in that in that category, but so many people don't Very believe it's so. possible. It is possible. There's, I think, with legalization, you'll find there are a lot of people that smoke, a lot of people that maybe you didn't think mm-hmm. do partake. They're creatives, they're intellectuals, they're business people. They're they're really all around. There's a lot of people. Do you really think the stigma will 
ever disappear? If you look at prohibition in terms of alcohol, it definitely has. I, I have no problem cracking a beer in front of my one and a half year old, but I'm not about to smoke a joint in front of her. So I think prohibition and once yeah. we're into legalization for a couple of years, I definitely think the stigma will wane. The other conversation, too, is about driving and, and yes. uh, mm-hmm. for, yeah. for young people, right? Well, the other thing we have to keep in mind is just because it's recreationally legal for adults, it's not legal for teens to consume cannabis. So cannabis is, you know, it's eight, 18 or 19 above, mm-hmm. depending on the province that you're in. In Ontario, right. it'll be 19. Yeah, so but we aren't, none of us are allowed to drive under the, under the influence, so we have <laughs> no. to remember that, too. Very much so, yeah. Yes. All right, Michelle Billardo, thank you so much for joining us today. And the thank website, you. once again, is leafly, L-E-A-F-L-Y, dot C-A. C-A. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 1059 The Region. What she said. Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, we all struggle with our finances at times, but there's no reason to stress about it. Personal finance expert Barry Choi joins us to share some simple tips to get your finances back on track. And and Barry, I just know you're going to start with make a budget. But lots of people (laughs) think that six letter word is actually a four letter word. Yeah, you know, budgets are a bit tricky because I don't think a lot of people realize where to begin, right? Like the easiest way and also arguably the most complicated thing is you really got to track your expenses. And I'm talking about like literally writing everything down for a month or two so you can really start to get a picture of where your money's going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I got into this whole game, it's like at the beginning, it's like you're, you're as long as you're getting paid and paying your bills, people think that's all right. But no, no, no. You really got to know where your money is spending. It's like, how much are you spending on lunch? How much are you spending on your expenses? And more importantly, how much are you putting towards your savings? Those are very important things. Mm-hmm. And once you've kind of seen where it's going after one or two months, you can start making those adjustments. So maybe you realize, hey, I'm spending too much on eating out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm spending too much on recreational activities or even personal entertainment. Then you make those adjustments because people usually what they do is they spend first and save last. I mean, it should be the other way around. Absolutely. I mean, living within your means was something that my parents always said, you know, don't live beyond your means. Yeah, like if- that's exactly what I was raised with. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things my mom taught me at, the, at a very young age was, well, maybe not young. When I got my first job was like, hey, if you can spend half your salary or live on one salary when you're married or you got a partner, then you're usually doing pretty good. Because if someone gets laid off, then it's not as big of a deal because you budgeted everything to be on that one income. Uh, but it's crazy these days. You know, when my parents were, you know, first immigrants to Canada. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. They mm-hmm. weren't thinking about vacations or iPads. So there's all these ex- new expenses that are almost become daily needs for people these days. But and then, do you really need them? Or? Okay, hang on a second. You just said something, and there's something I've tried to drill into my kids. You said needs. I try to teach them there's a difference between want and need, a big difference. Yeah, there's, there's needs are, are like, you know, a lot of people were fortunate to have a lot of things, you, you know, electronics, or even my wife and I, we really enjoy vacations. But we recognize that's a luxury, so we spend a little bit more because we enjoy that. But at the same time, if money was ever tight, that'd be one of the first things to go. We understand that. It's luxury. It's it's not necessarily a need. It's nice to have, but it's not a need. Right. Absolutely. But I think what what we're also dealing with. I think my parents gave me a fairly good fiscal education. I think probably mm-hmm. yours did too. But then you have a generation of YOLO. It's sort of <laughs> well, you only live once. Well, that's fine if you're going to have a vacation because you're only living once. You can't have a vacation and shop mm-hmm. at Holt Renfrew 
and buy an expensive car. Right. And, you know, I mean, you can't do it all. You've got to prioritize what your little treat that's, is going to be. That's exactly it. So my parent, parents prioritize, you know, my brother and I's education. Exactly. And having right. living. And, you know, we didn't take vacations every single year. I'd say maybe every couple of years we took a road trip. And that, to me, was also fortunate. Uh, but, you know, like you said, these days, you know, you look at Instagram. People are like, hey, look at me in, you know, Portugal, me in Spain. I want to do that. And you want to spend my – and credit cards are so easily accessible these days. Uh. People just – don't think about how easy it is to spend money. But at the same time, you know, you could be one major financial crisis away from bankruptcy. Exactly. So let, let's go through. I mean, when you're saying track all your spending for a month or two, see where your money's going, make mm-hmm. adjustments. So you put your fixed expenses like rent and Got things it. like that down first, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. And then you also add in don't forget to budget for once a year expenses like presents. Exactly. Or it, insurance. It, it, it's funny. We all know Christmas comes in December, but how many people like November's like, I don't have any money to pay for these presents. So again, we t- go back to credit cards. We put the money on the credit card and come January, all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> I got mm, this yeah. giant bill. Uh, it's it's kind of sad because you know, we, we kind of live in a society these days where people don't want to disappoint with the presents. And, and sometimes presents get bigger and bigger every single year. Uh, but it's not, it's, at the same time, it's okay to set expectations or just mm-hmm. tell people. It's like, you know, my parents could care less what I get them. My wife and I set a strict budget. It's like, how much do we want to spend on each other? Because we always say, hey, that money we're saving on presents can be used for better things that we enjoy, like the vacations we were talking about. Okay, so and you were talking about making small adjustments for big savings. So we've all heard about the latte effect, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is it? Like something like you spend four 50 on a coffee yeah, yeah, a day it's, that's it's, it's like crazy what? you know back in the day it was like a dollar coffee but now you know talk about the fancy coffee shops you could easily spend four five six dollars like, i don't drink coffee but i love bubble tea and six dollars <laughs> every single time i, I go yeah, right? yeah but that's like a th- a day it's i mean my math is like, not that fast but that's thousands that's over it's, a thousand it's over a thousand dollars a year yeah. this is small adjustments you're like so people are saying it's like oh i don't have money to save from retirement well you cut some small things or even think about your meals how, how many times you're like a eating out every single week mm-hmm. or, or dining out or even small things like are you do you really need that extra glass of wine with your meal um, so again a thousand dollars here and there there's these small things you can do um, you know especially if you're a student or you're on a fixed income think about things like I was reading the Kijiji secondhand index report and it talked mm-hmm. about if you were buying and selling stuff online uh, or through the secondhand economy for an entire year you could put two thousand dollars back in your pocket that and would pay for your bubble tea <laughs> <laughs> Or it would pay. It would go well into an RSP. RSP. Exactly. Yeah. RSP is a great thing. Savings. Paying down yep. debt. You know, saving for tuition. There's so many things you can do that money. Because basically, every dollar you can save can be put towards other things that are priority towards you. And it sounds crazy at the same time. You know, using the secondhand economy or things like how much can you really save? But you know, just last week. Um, we sold a, an extra diaper bag that we had, or I, I got an Instagram or an Instapix camera that I just didn't need, sold it for $50. Like all of a sudden, I had $100 I didn't have the two days before, right? And you put it right into your emergency fund or your well, savings? Well, fortunately, I've, I've got an emergency fund saved up. And that's another thing that I quickly want to touch, touch okay. on. Like, you know, quite often people don't think about those emergencies, like legit emergencies, your car breaking down that requires a major fix or a job loss. If you put aside a few months of expenses, then if th- something happens, you've got a bit of a buffer period. Because what happens is a lot of people who don't have that money set aside, that one major expense comes up and then all of a sudden they're dipping into their credit cards or line of credit mm-hmm. and they just don't have the funds to pay it back. And it's an endless spiral that can get out of control quickly. And you should keep that money accessible, I suppose, so that you can get at it right yeah, away. Yeah, you don't want it invested because what if the markets drop, right? And all of a sudden that money goes down in value. If you have it in a high interest savings account or, or in a bank, somewhere where you can just get access to it very quickly. All right. Um, Barry Choi, uh, thank you very much. Uh, people, download this on the podcast. Play it for your t- teenagers. <laughs> um, and if you want to get in touch uh, with Barry, his website is moneywehave.com. Thank you very much. Anytime. This is 105.9 The Region. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. Joining us now for On the Record is our musicologist, Eric Alpert. Doctor. Doctor. And today we're talking (laughs) about doctors. So what is it about the relationship between doctors and musicians? Well, you know, being a musician is a type... It's a tough life as it is. It's a, it's a, such a strenuous lifestyle that you're always on the road. You're always meeting people. You're getting sick 
all of the time. So you go to the doctors a lot just to get that prescription. But the doctors in the 60s and 70s were also the people that these guys got a lot of the illegal or legal drugs that they completely abused. And so that kind of led to the topic of five songs about doctors. And that was the Beatles, Dr. Robert. That was the Beatles, Dr. Robert. And when John Lennon wrote the song, a lot of the Beatle fanatic tried to figure out who exactly Dr. Robert is. It could be Dr. Robert Freeman, who gave B12 shots laced with speed to New York celebrities. How to stay thin and healthy at the same time. (laughs) Where do we go for those? (laughs) (laughs) At least it was B12, which was a a vitamin. Um, It could be Bob Dylan, which could be about um, uh, the guy who turned the Beatles onto marijuana. Or it could be about Robert Fraser, who was a gallery owner in the 1960s, who gave a lot of substances to the celebrities. But John Lennon has always said that the song was written about himself. Can you show me where it hurts? There is no pain you are receding. A distant ship smoke on the horizon. Well, speaking of substances, speaking of some substance of them can abuse, make you comfortably numb. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. In Pink Floyd's song, bassist Roger Waters tells the story about a doctor that's charged um, with injecting the album's main character in with a drug that will allow him to go back on stage and perform that night. But as David Gilmour sings to the chorus in one of Pink Floyd's most famous songs, the quick fix of drugs isn't always a solution to mental health issues. There is no chance, no untried operation. All hope lies with him and none with me. Imagine oh, the shock from isolation. Okay, The Who. In Tommy, they certainly invoked uh, the doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they did so in the other rock opera too, right? Yeah, yeah. It, there, there's a doctor in Quadrophenia, and there's a doctor also in Tommy about the deaf, dumb, and blind boy who was taken by his parent to a local physician who find nothing physically wrong with Tommy, but determined that his symptoms are a result of his inner block, whatever that meant in 1960s. Um, in the movie version, by the way, Jack Nicholson played the doctor, which mm-hmm. instantly makes the scene so memorable and so bizarre. And- Good loving from the young West. Good loving. You know what? This is a prescription that I can get behind. Probably more often. But this is a cover version of the Olympics R&B tune that's done by the Young Rascals who made it famous. And the band sought out Mr. MD for a cure to bad feelings. The doctor acknowledged that he had the answer. And the answer was good loving. In fact, he was so sure of the answer to life's problem to be good loving that he reaffirmed the fact five times with yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And last but not least, Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer had a bad... Loving you. He had such a bad Bad case. case. So bad. And in fact, it was even made worse because he was in love with his doctor. This was another cover version of a tune involving the doctor's opinion about love. And, uh, you know, in this version, Robert Palmer was dismayed by his attachment to his lover becoming a doctor. In fact, he's so confused that Robert Palmer gives his own advice with the line, Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pill is going to cure my ill. He doesn't even need to go to the doctor. He knows exactly what not to take because he's got a bad case of loving you. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that uh, sweet? Oh, well, thanks so much. Dr. Alper, signing we'll see off. see you next week? Absolutely. With a case of something? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to come down with a case of something next okay. week. Okay. <laughs> What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. 
Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Fear of missing out? FOMO flies out the door when you listen to Lena. Who knew? I hope everyone will know by the end of this segment. Every time you come in, you have such great news to share with us. Oh, thank you. I love sharing great news. Yes, I want everyone to know about it because it is such a great cause. I almost had tears in my eyes. It is phenomenal. OMG. OMG. Join What She Said Weekends and find out what lifestyle blogger Lena Almeida is loving. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Toronto-based author Kern Carter, who just released his second novel called Beauty Scars, and it explores the dynamic between power and beauty in Canada. Welcome to the show, Kern. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Well, the opening line of the book is, an accident made me beautiful. So tell us what Beauty Scars is about. So basically, that's how the book starts. A, A young girl gets hit by a car. And instead of being becoming more scarred, she actually becomes more beautiful. So I kind of tell the story of a young girl or a girl that never asked for beauty, but just like had that thrust upon her, had that responsibility thrown on her. You know what I mean? So what does that look like for someone that doesn't know how to deal with it, never seen it, but just feels its power now, like feels the power of beauty and doesn't want to let go of it? It's it's a sad statement on our society, really, yeah, isn't it? I'll, yeah. I'll have the top. It is, it is. That's why I call it beauty scars, right? Because really, what is what is beauty? Like, beauty is, I mean, for me, you can see beauty in anything, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. a writer, I can see beauty in words. Um, artists see beauty in images. So beauty is really beholden to the person, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, society tells you beauty is one thing specifically. And that thing could be very um, useful in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be very detrimental in some ways. So it, it's really like a balance, depending on how you look at it. Why did you want to explore the validity of beauty standards today? Because I sort of thought that they were changing somewhat what mm-hmm. we're trying. Mm-hmm. It is. We are trying to change it. And, and to a degree, because so we have social media and because everybody has a voice, it does change. But I, I have a 15-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, for her, um, kind of seeing the things she goes through, like, she would talk about, I, want, I wish my hair was longer or softer, or I wish my eyes was this color and stuff like that. Um, and she's getting that from somewhere. She's not getting it from me. She's getting it from somewhere else. Instagram. Exactly. Where people have perfect lives. Exactly. So I'm like, what They what wake is up with makeup on. <laughs> yeah. I wake long, up like this. Yeah. yeah. Long eyelashes yeah. and look perfect, right? Exactly. So I wanted to really kind of tell a story of, of, of beauty and explore it. And talk and frame it within within the city of Toronto because I mean that's did that's your where I grew daughter up. inspire this then? Um, partly, yeah. My daughter inspires most of my writing, really? <laughs> inadvertently or, or or unintentionally or intentionally. She inspires a lot of my writing for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was she was a big inspiration behind it. Um, and to be completely honest, I had um, one of my ex girlfriends was one of the inspiration in in like a in a negative kind of way because she was really vain. Something she would admit. So I'm not speaking any anything. Mm. I'm not saying anything she wouldn't say. <laughs> um, she had, she admittedly was very vain so i wanted to kind of um i I mean she was like a jumping off point yeah but is is beauty any different than having money or other things that that give you an edge you know that you can Mm. manipulate yeah i mean you could you could actually look at it a lot like money right like it depends on how you want to use it so i mean you could use money to do good you could need money to to do very bad Mm -hmm. um and but the thing with beauty that that separates is, is that money is very like like there's a value to money that you could like actually like you could touch right beauty like what what can you say is beautiful like that it's so ambiguous that it, it's, it's almost tough for you to hold well that's what to. you said i mean uh, you know, we all know the line beauty is in the eye of the beholder yeah. and, and right and the standards of 
beauty or the perception of beauty. We know that it changes from country to country. Some mm-hmm. countries, like we'll talk about women, like thinner women, some like curvier women. Yeah. But right now, apparently, the standard of beauty is Kim Kardashian. Yeah. And that I would really? think... Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what everybody so. is is based on. I mean, Vogue India just put Kim Kardashian on their cover, on their cover yeah. because that's the standard of beauty around the world. That's what young girls are going into trying to achieve. That's what they're contouring their faces to look like. Mm-hmm. That's what they're you know every I don't have that booty. Well, yeah. I do. But <laughs> let's, let's leave that alone. But I mean, like figures change, yeah. standards of beauty change. Yeah. So how does the book connect this standard of beauty that is in the eye of the beholder to the power dynamic? I mean, we, we often think that in our business, female news anchors had to, you know, be of a certain, it didn't matter what the guys looked like, they could be, you know, bald, portly, you know, old and ugly, we had to be a different standard of beauty. Huh. So the, the power dynamic in, in the book, how does it affect um, the girl? Because her life yeah. starts to un- unravel when she finds love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, I would say, I would say the dynamic is really in that, in that, in that the, the fact that she finds love and she finds beauty from, and strength from inside of herself that she didn't know she, she had before. So when I, when I think of how I kind of, of wrote the character and I kind of wanted her to be, I wanted her to be this person that really didn't understand the power that she had. Like, that's what I was going for. I didn't want her to understand it totally, right? Until, like, like vainly, yes. Like, in, in, very, in very kind of outward ways, yes. Like, I could get this guy if I do this. Or I could kind of, you know, I could manipulate this guy this way. I could get... And I, I wanted to show that because that's real. That's what, that's what girls go through. And that's what girls that, who are beautiful kind of have to deal we with. We all remember them from high school. Yeah, exactly. So, but, I mean, as far as, as, far as the, the power dynamic, I feel like she doesn't really feel any strength until she realizes that, until she falls in love. And then mm-hmm. that, and then, then the threat of her beauty being taken away becomes real and then becomes frightening for her. You know what I mean? And then she's like, oh, is this, am I going to lose him if I'm Mm. not beautiful anymore? Now you've been published in some of Canada's largest online publications, including Huffington Post and Elite Daily. Your first book, Thoughts of a Fractured Soul, tackled giving up and feeling like you don't deserve something. Another theme that I think a lot of us uh, believe on, sometimes they call it the imposter syndrome or yeah. the Cinderella syndrome yeah. for women in particular. Mm-hmm. So do they connect? Because it almost sounds like you're working through some themes yeah, here. <laughs> I mean, because I want, I want all of my books to be powerful in some way. You know what I mean? Like I want it to be entertaining. So I, I don't want the language to ever be too dense or whatever. But I want it to be powerful as far as the messaging is. So when I wrote uh, Thoughts of a Fractured Soul, I was like looking and reflecting on my own life. But I took the, the I took the perspective of what if I actually failed? I was in my early twenties when I wrote this, but when I started writing the book, so I was like, "What what does failure look like?" You know what I mean? Like because at twenty two or twenty three when I started writing it, um, I felt pressure to be successful by twenty five. I was like, "If I'm not successful by twenty five, I'm like a failure." You're over the hill, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, like it's over, and that's because I kind of grew up in the whole social media um, kind of kind of mm-hmm. time frame, right? So I felt that pressure. So I was like, most people I know are, are or I grew up with or I've, I've been in, 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 in contact with, they, they actually have really, really good skills or really talented, but they all settle and they all end up um, being completely stagnant or they all end up a job that they don't really like. And for me, that was like the most scary thing ever to be mm-hmm. like so super ambitious and, and feel like you could touch the world and then end up settling into something that you absolutely hate or, or are just comfortable with. Like those words scare me a lot. So I want to like touch on that. So just getting back to your daughter for a second, I've mm-hmm. seen lately a lot of apps, psychologists, all kinds of things everywhere, mm-hmm. teaching us how to disengage from, from the phone mm-hmm. um, and disengage from, from social media. Is mm-hmm. that something you think you're, you'd be able to convince your daughter to ever do? <laughs> Never. <laughs> There's no chance of that happening. But I mean, I just use it. I just use it. Like, you, yeah, I just try my best to use it and stay engaged with her and, and meet her where she's at. Okay, and what's next for you? Another book? Yeah, another book. Um, I actually know the title of my next book, which is weird. Um, it's going to be called Boys and Girls Screaming. Boys and Girls Screaming. Screaming. Yeah, that's going to be the title of my I'm next book. I'm scared. But yeah, just more and more and more writing um, and hopefully more interviews with ladies like you. Oh. That would be great. So. 
So tell, uh, tell everyone where they can um, get a copy of Beauty Scars. Everything is easy. Just KernCarter.com, K-E-R-N Carter.com. That's my Facebook name, my Instagram name, my Twitter name. Your so, actual name. My actual name. What I do even, you know? I know. My <laughs> Gmail is even KernCarter at gmail.com. Like it's all good. Like it's all Kern Carter. So, yeah. um, the writing. Mm-hmm. Does has it made you feel successful because you're having some success? We don't want you to still think you're a failure here. No, Kern. I don't. I don't feel like I'm a failure, but I feel like I have so much more to, so much more to do. Like I just feel like this is literally just the beginning. This book, Beauty Scars, for me was so big because I finally felt felt like I told the exact story I wanted to tell to touch as many people as I want to touch. So that's why I'm really pushing this one hard because I'm proud of it. I'm so proud of it. I got like hundreds of people actually out to my book launch which was incredible and that was just like because people were just I feel like people are really into this one they're really engaged in it so mm-hmm. yeah I do feel, I do feel happy but to see if you get or if you want to ask me if I'm comfortable I'm definitely not comfortable no not yet you're not, not comfortable uh, in but you are comfortable uh, you you love what you've done I do yeah, but you're I, proud I, but of it I am proud of it and you know success isn't at any given point, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. What she said. What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Saturday night at the movies. Saturday night at the movies? Don't know what picture to see? And Brody's got you covered. Did you like the film? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that no. does I love your honesty. <laughs> Films about paranoia, I think they do us a lot of good. Because it's not happening to us. <laughs> I took your mom, Romy. Who loves a good film? We laughed our socks off. I was so bored watching it. <laughs> a film critic who shoots straight from the hip. Saturdays on What She Said Talk. This is 1059 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest, and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Listening to is Starlight by Winnipeg singer songwriter Rain Hamilton. Welcome to what she said. Hello. For people who may not know, tell us how you got started. I am from a musical family, so I was born into this. My parents were in a band. They met in a rock and roll band in Winnipeg in the 70s called Nighthawk. And then my future was pretty well laid out before me, I think, at that point. Well, you've just released your second full-length album, Night Sky. So tell us what it's about. The album Night Sky is singer-songwriter genre songs Mm -hmm. with string quartet arrangements uh, covered by myself on violin, cello, and then double bass. So it's technically a string trio. We call it chamber folk, mixing this folk genre with uh, the chamber music genre. Okay, and you also, and I think this is very cool, you wanted to make your album release show more inclusive with American Sign Mm -hmm. Language um, interpretation. So why was that important for you? 
I believe really strongly that music is for everyone, art is for everyone. And in my life, that has been so powerful, the presence mm-hmm. of art and music. And there are people who want that in their life and for whom there are barriers to access. So when I have the opportunity, when I'm planning a show, um, I really work to remove the barriers that I can. That's now, awesome. Now, you also offer workshops um, in songwriting and fiddle tune writing. Mm-hmm. What is fiddle tune writing? Oh, it is a great time. We take the question-answer form of traditional fiddle tunes and study that. And then uh, there's a really cool process that we go through to create our own tunes. And I'm so proud of the tunes that some kids across Manitoba have written. It is such a good time. Well, you do it in English and in French. I happen to, yes. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) So where can people get your music? Every surface of the internet. <laughs> so a good bet would be to check out my website, Rain Hamilton. That's Rain with an E at the end. Okay. RainHamilton.com. Mm-hmm. iTunes, CD Baby, Spotify, all the places. Uh, well, we are looking forward to hearing you play in just a moment. But that is it for What She Said. We will be back next Saturday and Sunday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. You can find us on social media at What She Said Talk. And your social media handle? Uh, Twitter is at Rain Songs, and Instagram and Facebook is Rain Hamilton. Hamilton. Okay, but singing us out now in our live studio sessions, here is Rain Hamilton performing Starlight. Uh, this song is, for me, a story of moving forward, like of leaving the past behind. And it's like some big change has come, and there's no going back. Thank you. 
connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.